0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. The theme for this year is Draw Near and uh, we have a year to look ahead and uh, think about how we can get closer to the Lord, how we can grow in our relationship with God. and. And just in thinking about 2017, I have a desire to get closer to the Lord. When my family was here this past week on one of the nights, my dad requested that we get together and just talk about 2016 and also about 2017. And in 2017, in this upcoming year, I hope to grow closer to God. I hope to have a stronger relationship with the Lord this year as opposed to last year. And and I hope that you have the same as well, that you desire to really get close to the Lord and really have a close relationship, an intimate time with the Lord that you get to have each and every single day. And and I know that uh, sometimes uh, with uh, what you see, uh, being presented as Christianity out in the world and sometimes people's personal uh, feelings about the relationship, sometimes they feel like, I know that God is there and I know that God is real, but sometimes they feel that they cannot get close to God, that God always feels like he's far off, that I, we, I haven't really been able to be in this close relationship with God. I know what he says and I know who he is and I know what he's done, but I don't really know him On a personal level, you know, we see a lot of uh, athletes or we see a lot of celebrities and uh, famous people and uh, even politicians, those that are in the limelight, we know a lot about them. You know, we know when they were born. We know about their uh, you know, statistics, how tall they are. And we know about their family life, who they're married to, and maybe who their kids are. And, and we might be familiar with what they've accomplished in their life and what they, what they do. Maybe some of the things that they like and don't like, and who their friends are. But really, we don't know them. I don't know them and they don't know me. And sometimes I feel that uh, 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 some Christians, when they approach uh, God and think about God, they they feel like God is is afar off. I know a lot about him and I know what he's done, but I don't really know him. But this verse here in verse number 22 says, let us draw near. It says that we can get close to God. That God is not, He's not sitting behind some gated community, He's not locked behind some doors where you need special access. God is sitting out in the open, available for each and every one of us. And I want us to know that it's possible for us to get close to God. And and before we even get into this verse, I want to know, and and for us to look at this, uh, this chapter and some of the verses earlier, and we didn't read them, but I want to see How God did so much just to make it possible for us to get close to God. Because it took a sacrifice for freedom. Hebrews chapter 10, if you're there in your Bibles, in verse number 10 it says, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standing daily ministering and offering, oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins, but this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. For us to even have the opportunity to get close to God, a sacrifice needed to be given. An offering needed to be presented to the Lord. Because you and I, we are sinners. You and I, we have broken the law of God. And we have committed an offense against the almighty and holy God, And for us to restore the relationship requires a sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. Without the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ, we would not even have the opportunity to draw near to God. But praise the Lord Jesus Christ came so many years ago. And praise the Lord that he came to die for our sins. And he came and he suffered on the cross and he died and was buried and he rose again three days later, giving us even an opportunity to get close to the Lord. But also I see a sin that is forgotten. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 17 says, And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Praise the Lord that even though we have sinned against God and God has paid for that price that He chooses to forget the sins that we have committed against Him. I don't know about you and uh, I'm sure that many are uh, like me in this way, but sometimes it's hard to forget an offense that was committed against me. When somebody does something or says something, it's, it's hard to forget that sometimes And even if we forgive, even if we come to the point of forgiving that other person, doesn't that event or those words, they kind of stay in your mind a little bit. And it's always there in your memory and you try not to let that affect you, but it just kind of lingers there sometimes. But God has said, I will remember your sins no more. And praise the Lord for it, that he has forgotten the sins. Once he has forgiven them, they are gone. In Psalm chapter 51, verse 4, it says, Against thee and thee only have I sinned. This is David speaking of his sins, and he says, God, this act that I did is a sin against you. And praise the Lord that he was able to get forgiveness for his sins, and that sin was forgotten by God. And that makes it possible for us to draw near. Also, I see a Savior that is faithful. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, it says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised." I'm thankful that our God is faithful. I'm thankful that our God is consistent. I'm thankful that our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I praise the Lord that His word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm glad that Jesus doesn't change his word. I'm glad that Jesus doesn't change his mind. I'm glad that Jesus doesn't break his promises. And we're used to a world that is inconsistent and up and down. And uh, I was there at the winter retreat for the youth group this past week. and, And I was up there and I was told there was going to be because there's no cell phone connection. And so I, I went up there and uh, you know, when some of the different activities were going on, I was planning on getting a little bit of, of work done. And, and I got up there and I realized this Wi-Fi connection is really bad. It's in and then it's out and then you're connected and then you're not connected. And, and sometimes we have that in our lives where, yes, it's there and then it's not there. And sometimes we get used to it, but God's connection is always available for us. It is always there, it's never in and out, there's never anything wrong on God's end. And I praise the Lord that God has made it possible for us to draw near to God. But just because God has made it possible for us to draw near, doesn't mean that we have drawn near. And there is still work for us to do, and I hope that in 2017 you will determine To make this the year in which you draw near to God or in which you draw nearer to the Lord. And I see that there are three truths regarding drawing near to our Savior. Number one, I see that we have a choice. It is our choice whether we draw near to the Lord. It is our determination, our decision whether or not we draw near to the Lord. Verse 22 says, let us draw near. Letting us know you want to draw near, you can choose to draw near. You don't want to draw near, you can choose not to draw near, but it is our choice whether or not we draw near. In many lives, there are things that are just completely out of our control. We didn't have a choice with them. I didn't have a choice as to who my parents were. I didn't have a choice as to where I was born. I didn't have a choice as to where I was growing up. I didn't have a choice as to who my teachers were. I didn't have a choice as to where I lived or some of the things that I got to eat. And so many of the things growing up and, and even today are things that are completely out of my control. It's, it's not up to me. And, and uh, just thinking about uh, Skyler, Skylar didn't get to choose that her mom would be Esther and that her dad would be me. She didn't get to choose that. And many things in life are like that where we don't get to choose. But when it comes to drawing near to the Lord, it's a choice that is up to us. And God has left that choice up to you, whether or not you will draw near to the Lord. Because even though God is all-powerful, and even though God can do all things, and even though God has done so much for even uh, to make it possible for us to draw near to the Lord, He doesn't force us to draw near. He doesn't force us to be near. He leaves that choice up to us. He leaves that choice up to you. And we see that really all throughout the Bible in Deuteronomy 30, verse number 19. God is talking to the children of Israel. He says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore... Choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. What God is saying to the children of Israel is, I've done all of this for you, I've pulled you out of Egypt and freed you from bondage, and I've brought you to this place, but here you are, at a fork in the road. On one side you have life, on the other you have death. On the one side you have blessing, on the other side you have cursing. And I think that you know which side is the better side. But I'm still going to let you choose for yourself whether you will get close, uh, whether you will choose life or not. And we also have the choice to whether we draw near or whether we do not draw near. And what an opportunity it is for us to even draw nearer to God. To be close to the Lord, to have personal interaction with God, to know Him on a very close, intimate basis. I remember growing up seeing commercials about Kodak moments. You remember those commercials? Do you remember Kodak? Some of you may not know Kodak, right? Kodak moments, and I remember seeing these commercials and seeing the yellow and black logo or whatever it was, and uh, you know, you you see the Kodak moments, and then we talk about, oh, your kids are growing up, and you got to get the, you don't get a chance to go back, you got to you got to get a picture of that moment. And this was way back in the day when it's film. And you take a picture and then you got to wind it. and Then you take another picture and you wind it. And, and uh, you know, you, I remember these commercials and talking about all of these cameras. And, and they were at the top. They were the biggest selling company. They were at the top of the industry. But today you don't hear about Kodak moments anymore. You don't hear about Kodak at all. When you talk about taking pictures, you talk about your cell phone camera, or if you're talking about some of the major companies, you know, you're talking about Canon and Nikon and and, uh, even Sony and some of these other cameras, we talk about all of those other companies and we don't really talk about Kodak anymore, but you know what's a real shame? What's a real shame is Kodak, they were a film camera company and now we have all digital today, right? Everything is digital, your phone, camera is digital, your big uh, you know point and shoot, the big DSLRs, you know pretty much everybody uses digital cameras. Did you know that Kodak was the first to make a digital camera? Did you know that they were the first to patent a digital camera? And did you know that even though they made the first one, they told the guy who made it, don 't tell anyone don't tell anyone that you made this camera. We're not going to build one and sell it. We're not going to market it. What a shame. You know why they decided not to sell digital cameras? It's because they had film cameras and they were making a lot of money off of film cameras. And they said, if we start selling digital cameras, then we won't have as many film cameras to sell. People are gonna wanna buy the digital ones. So we're just gonna hold on to this film camera industry. And you know what happened? Canon came in. And Nikon came in. And these other companies came in. And they started building these digital cameras. And now those are the big companies. Those are the ones making all the money. These are the ones that everybody uses. And what a shame for Kodak. That they built the first one. They had the opportunity to get first into the market. They had the opportunity to really build into that new area. But they chose Not to. It's not that somebody else beat them to it. They chose not to. It's not that they couldn't do it. It's because they chose not to. It's not because they didn't have the opportunity. It's because they chose not to. And what a shame it would be for us if we had the opportunity, but we chose not to. That we had the chance to get close to God, but we just didn't choose to. What a shame it would be on December 31st of 2017 that we felt like we didn't get close to God. Because we chose not to. Because we didn't decide that we were going to get close to God. And I want us to know that if we are going to get close to God this year, if we are going to draw near to God, we need to choose to do so. And you have that opportunity. We have a choice. Also, secondly, I see that we have a condition. If we are going to draw near to God. God has given us a choice, but he also has given us a condition. Verse 22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Okay. If you want to summarize this phrase right here, basically what, God is, uh, what the author is saying and what God is saying is basically this. You can draw near because you are saved. That's what this phrase means. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Now here's the thing though is, We don't really use this phrase, do we? At the end of the service, when I ask if anybody is saved or if everybody is saved, I don't ask the question, how many of you have had your heart sprinkled from an evil conscience? How many of you are 100% sure that your heart has been sprinkled from an evil? I don't ask the question that way. But that's what it means. And because this is our theme Let us draw near, and this is the verse in which that theme is anchored. I want to take a little bit of time as to why it's phrased this way. Why does the author use these particular words to describe salvation? First of all, we need to know uh, who the book is addressed to. The name of the book is Hebrews, meaning it is addressed to Hebrew people. The primary was to Jewish people. In verse number one of Hebrews chapter one, it says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Who are the fathers? They were the ancestors. They were talking about their Jewish fathers and those that were of the Jewish lineage, those that were of uh, the family of Abraham and they had their own tribes. He's talking about God spoke to our fathers By the prophets. Who are the prophets? Of course, they are the Old Testament prophets. We're talking about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. We're talking about David. We're talking about Isaiah. We're talking about Jonah. We're talking about these men and women in the Old Testament. So we know that this book was written to Hebrew people. And that's important for us to know. Because it's going to link into why he used that phrase. It's written to Jewish people. Therefore, he's going to use terminology familiar to them things that they would be well aware of either through tradition either through studying the word either through going to the temple in hebrews chapter 9 one chapter earlier if you're there in your bibles you can turn back the verses will also be up on the screen but i want you to notice the wording that he uses and some of the phrases in verse number 11 of chapter nine it says but christ being come on high priest course we're familiar with the high priest we know about the levitical priesthood and the high priest the, but christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle this was the uh the before the te- uh, the temple there was a tent that they called the tabernacle and so he's using this terminology not made with hands that is to say not of this building neither by the blood of goats and calves they were familiar with the sacrifices that needed to be made But by his own blood he entered once into the holy place. Inside the temple was the holy of holies in which the high priest would go once a year. And he would approach the mercy seat and he would sprinkle the blood having obtained eternal redemption for us. So we see that continually time and time again he's using this analogy of the Old Testament priesthood and the temple and the tabernacle and the sacrifices and connecting this to Jesus Christ. Verse number 13, we start to get into the similar wording. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? We see this phrase in verse number 22 of chapter number 10. It says, um, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. We see that word sprinkled used in verse 13. We see the word conscience used in verse number 14. If you look in Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 2, for then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. What is he talking about here? What he's saying is, in the Old Testament times, the priest would go and he would sprinkle the blood for the sacrifice, for for the sins of the people. And what he is saying is, that was a picture of what Jesus Christ would do with his blood for our sins. And he's making this connection. He's saying, you're familiar with the temple. You're familiar with the sacrifice. You're familiar with the sprinkling. Now I'm going to show you how that is really just a picture of Jesus Christ. And what he did on the cross and the sacrifice that he made with his blood, not the blood of bulls and goats, not the sacrifices of lambs, but his own body he sacrificed on the cross. And he did that so that we could have remission of sins. And that's what that phrase means. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. And if the verse continues and says, and our bodies washed with pure water. In John chapter 13, Jesus is with his disciples and he's washing the feet of the disciples. You remember the story, right? Here is Jesus, he's getting close to the last days. He's just uh, right there, right before the cross, and he's with his 11 uh, disciples, and he's there, and he's washing the feet, and Peter gets up, it's his turn in line, and and he says to Jesus, basically, Jesus, you're going to wash my feet? No. And Jesus says, if you don't let me wash your feet, then you have no part with me. And Peter says, all right, then wash everything. Wash my head, wash my hands, wash my feet. And in verse uh, verse number 10, Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. And what Jesus is saying here is, if you are saved, then you are saved. You have been washed, but you need a continual repentance of the sins that you commit after your salvation. And we see in verse 22 of Hebrews chapter 10, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. What is he talking about here? What he's saying is, we can draw near, let us draw near, because we have been purged from our sins. Because we have been cleansed. And it's important for us, as you notice, we looked at Hebrews chapter 1, we looked at Hebrews chapter 9, then we looked at Hebrews chapter 10, for us to get some context For us to know what exactly is the author talking about in a big picture idea. And then when we get to a singular verse, then we know, okay, he's talking about the sacrifices. He's talking about what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He's talking about salvation. So when he uses the phrase here, we understand, okay, he's talking about salvation. He's not talking about baptism and sprinkling. He's not talking about these kinds of things that you need to be baptized to be saved. He's just saying, We can draw near because we have been cleansed from our sins. And I went through this just to show that that is what this means. And so we can look together at the word of God. But the point is this. If we are going to draw near, we need to have met that condition of salvation. Before any of us can even think about making the choice to draw near, we need to be saved. We need to have our sins to be forgiven. Because Romans chapter 3, verse 10 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Every single one of us is a sinner. Every one of us has broken the law of God. And every one of us has that consequence that is coming, unless we have trusted in Christ as our Savior. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Every one of us is a sinner, Every one of us has a destination, and God stepped in and said, I'm going to give you the choice, life or death, heaven or hell. I've made it possible for you, but you need to decide. And that's why he says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Before we can even get into, let us draw near, we must first be saved. Are you saved this morning? Have you had your sins forgiven? I'm not asking if you've grown up in church your whole life. I grew up in church my whole life. I'm not asking if you served in the church. I served in the church. I'm not asking you if you went out soul winning and led somebody else to the Lord. I led somebody else to the Lord. Before I got saved, none of those things mattered. None of those things compensated. I needed to trust in Christ for myself. And you need to trust in Christ for yourself. Your parents being saved doesn't make you saved. Being part of a Bible believing church doesn't mean that you're saved. Being faithful in attendance doesn't mean that you're saved. You need to have made that decision. When I was young, when I was in elementary school, I prayed a prayer, but I never really received forgiveness for my sins. I ignored the sin part. I just wanted to go to heaven. But God says, no, 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 you need to understand you're a sinner. And you need forgiveness for your sins. And it wasn't until I was 20 that I had personally trusted in Christ as my Savior. And when I was 20 years old, then I could take this verse and apply it to my life and say, okay, now I have the choice whether or not I draw near." So in 2017, you have a choice whether or not you draw near, if you have met the condition of salvation. But thirdly, we also see that we have a course. In verse 22, it says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. If we are going to draw near to the Lord, we must do it in faith. We must have faith in our hearts. We must trust God, we need to have a, as it says in the verse, a true heart in full assurance of faith. And of course, it would make sense that faith would be the requisite because that is how we got saved in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Faith is the prerequisite for us to be saved, and faith is also the prerequisite for us to draw near. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh, or he that draweth near to God, must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. If we want to draw near, if we want to come to God, we must believe that He is. We must have faith. But what is faith? Sometimes faith is a nebulous thing. What does it mean to be a spiritual person? What does it mean to be a faith-filled person? What does it mean to be any of these things that God is talking about? If you really want to simplify faith, faith is, in a, in a very maybe simplified, practical sense, is this. God said it, so I'm going to do it. I don't know how it's going to work, I don't know how this even makes sense. I don't even know why, but God said it, so I'm going to do it. And that is in a very simple way what faith is. God told me to go, so I'm going to go. God told me to do this, so I'm going to do this. God told me not to go there, so I'm not going to go there. It looks really attractive to me. It seems like if I go this way, everything's going to work out, but God says don't go that way. You don't want to go that way. Faith is, okay God, I have my logic and I have my reasoning and I have my reasons for why I think this is better but you said not to go this way. You said this way is better. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe your word and I'm going to believe your spirit and I'm going to follow what you say even though my head may be telling me that something else might be better. That's what faith is. Faith is simply trusting in God and saying, God, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't maybe understand why this is the best or how this is all going to work out but you said it so I'm going to do it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Down the future, I don't know where this is going to go or how this is going to work out, but God, you said it would work out, so I'm going to go. I'm going to do what you said. And if we look at the Old Testament, we see many examples of faith. Noah in building a boat. God comes to Noah and says, there's going to be a flood, so build a boat. A really, really big boat. And it took him, you know, like a hundred years or so to build this boat. And, And Noah had no reason to think that there was going to be rain falling from the sky. He had no reason to think that a flood would suddenly happen. None of these things had happened before in the past. But God had said it was coming. So he said, all right, God, you said the rain is going to come. There's going to be a flood. All right, I'm going to build this boat because you said so. We see Abraham leaving his home for the promised land. Abraham wasn't told where. He just said, go, and I will show you where it is that you're supposed to end up. Imagine that conversation with his wife. All right, honey, pack up your things. We're going to move. Where are we moving to? I don't know, but we've we got we to move. We're going to go that way. Okay? How long are we going to go that way? I don't know. We're going to keep going until God says to stop going. Right? Can you imagine that? And Abraham just said, God told us to go. I don't know where he's going to put us. I don't know how long we're going to have to travel. But he said that we need to go, so we're going to go. Sarah having a child at the age of 90. Sarah's way past childbearing years, and she knew it. She said it herself. And, but God had said, you're going to have a child. So she said, all right, I guess I'm going to have a child. I don't know how. It doesn't make any sense to me. But that's what he said. Joshua and the children of Israel walking around Jericho. They cross the the Jordan River. They're there facing this enormous walled city. And Joshua is there. And God tells him, all right, here's your battle plan. You walk around the city quietly. And this is going to conquer the city. Can you imagine Joshua passing that information on to his generals? All right, here's the plan, guys. We are going to quietly walk around the city. And then what? I don't know. That's all I was told. We're going to quietly walk around once a day for seven days. And then we're going to shout. And then we're going to conquer the city. How are we going to do that? I don't know. But God told us to do this. So be ready. Bring your armor and bring your swords and bring your shields. And and, uh, we're going to do this. We see many examples where God comes to men and women and just says, this is what you need to do And for them, I'm sure, in a logical sense, they're thinking, this doesn't make sense. But that's what God said. So we're going to do it. And it worked out for them. It worked out for Noah. It worked out for Abraham. It worked out for Sarah. It worked out for Joshua. It worked out for Gideon. It worked out for David. It worked out for all of them. Those that trusted in God. And we see all of these examples in Hebrews chapter 11. The hall of faith. And we see men and women following God and hearing God's word and just saying, all right, God, this is what you said, so this is what I am going to do. There's a song, living by faith. We need to be people who are living by faith, living and trusting God. The verse says, I care not today what the to, what morrow may bring, if shadow or sunshine or rain. The Lord I know ruleth over everything and all of my worries are vain. Living by faith in Jesus above Trusting, confiding in His great love. From all harm safe in His sheltering arm, I'm living by faith and feel no alarm. I hope that we too will be people who are living by faith and as we do so, it allows us to draw near to God. Have you been trusting the Lord today? Have you been trusting His Word and trusting His direction? Sometimes it's a scary thing to live by faith. When God says you need to step out and you don't see anything to step out onto, but God says to step out there, it could be a scary time. It could be a fearful time. But we need to live by faith. If we are going to, draw near to God. This year we can draw near to God. You can draw near to God. Not the person sitting next to you or not just them. Not just your, uh, you know, uh, mentors or spiritual leaders. You can draw near to God, because God has given to you a choice. He's given that choice to each and every one of us, but He's also given with that a condition: you must first be saved. And if you're not saved today, then you need to be saved today. Trust in Christ today as your Savior, and then you can draw near. And thirdly, we need to live by faith, trusting God and trusting in his word, then we can draw near.